At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The word of the Lord. Have a seat, please. So if I had to ask anyone here, is that scripture like, man, trial, testing, yeah, darn right, I'm, I'm going through it. I'm physically or job-wise or just things in my family or things in my own life or things I believe or not sure. I mean, we, we've talked about, I'm doing a two or three, four week, very short, but I want us to have a biblical worldview, a biblical sense of these trials, these difficult things that are human, that we go through. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if you just had to say, yeah, like in the last six months to a year, I've just, I've been through it. And the, what we took, looked at last week as we began this was the Bible says, love, don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials as though some strange thing were happening to you. And yet we are often surprised. We're often like, I'm a Christian or I'm, how could this stuff happen in my life, my family, my world, my health? How could it happen? And the Bible says, don't be surprised. So the first thing we looked at last week as a recap is just let's not be surprised so that we know they're going to test our faith. Say, wow, I'm just, I, I, I don't know where God is in this. That's called the test of faith. That's, that's normal. It's something the trial is supposed to do. To prove the reality of what we believe. We're supposed to rejoice and choose to rejoice, it says in this. Easier said than done. I get it. But that the Bible's uh, commendation to us is to see it for what it is, which is an opportunity for God to come through. If there's never any time for God to come through, then... You know, we've missed the one of the purposes of trials. And finally, we looked at from James 1, how it produces endurance in us. And that everybody gets tired. Everybody gets tired when they're exercising. And a lot of us quit when it gets tired because we don't like to be tired. We don't like to hurt. You know, we, we start running and, out, you know, we get the stitch in our side after a couple of hundred yards. And we say, well, I'm this is silly. I'm not going to do this anymore. Why would I do something that hurts? Because you develop endurance, right? And so in our lives, when things begin to hurt, we develop faith, muscles, and endurance. So this week, what I want to look at is the second purpose of trials. In addition to this endurance that it gives us and not being surprised, it is to give us this incredible gift. Trials are, it doesn't have to, we get to choose this or not, but it's supposed to give us perspective. This little cartoon Josh, you can put up here that, that I really, I really like because I think it sort of capsulizes in here perspective, right? There's this little guy on an island and he sees a boat coming. Here's the guy on the boat seeing the island coming. They're both like, boat, land. And they both are in exactly the same position they were before. 
They could switch places for all of me. The guy on the land could get in the boat. I don't know what's going to happen. But the, the idea of it all depends what you're looking for and what you find. And trial, often we think of these difficulties. We think of, I want to do the best I can to just get them out of my life and get rid of them. And instead of seeing them for the opportunity that they are, when we look at perspective and art, now I'm a terrible artist, so I only know this from reading about it because I can't do it. But you'll look and say the the perspective is given when something, we see it from the artist's perspective, right? So this is a painting, right? It looks, I mean, it looks like it's going off in the distance, right? They've mastered that art of perspective of the way the lines are shaped. We see what the artist sees. And a skilled artist gets us into a different dimension. This flat piece now looks like we're seeing it. And what we will find if we will allow the word of God to do this is that the artist of our souls can make three dimensions of this life. And all of a sudden we see different dimensions. We see, I don't know how many dimensions God exists in, but certainly outside of time, we know that and movement and that we see now this, this multidimensional, it, it allows us somehow to do something see something far greater than the pain and it's real pain. I'm not minimizing or making of the, of the devastation that happens in people's lives or just the sorrow. The difficulty might be small to you, but great to me and vice versa. It doesn't matter. Testing and trial come in all sorts of different circumstances. Finally, the thing I I want us to see is that the perspective is people, tourists all over the world love to play with forced perspective, right? And so when things are smaller or larger than they appear. So here's Julia Scott this week at, um, at Cape Hatteras. And, you know, it's pretty good, right? We see the Eiffel Tower or Leaning Tower of Peace or whatever. And you see all of a sudden either she looks really, really big or the, the lighthouse looks really, really small, but you're forcing the perspective right by the picture. And sometimes when we put our problems in perspective, then like the next picture we can have is that your problems become so large, right? And you seem so small. And so, you know, we all love to set up these pictures because we juxtapose things, right? All right. Funny, humorous, you do this. Can I just tell you this? We look at trials often as this gigantic thing that ruins our lives or that uh, that ruins our week or our day, and we force perspective it, and we lose sight of the God that we serve. And it is a human thing to do. There's no condemnation in this. I'm going to share with you some things I've been through even this week where it is a but, – but the trial, the temptation, the heat, whatever form it is – It's meant to shape you into something different and to give you a perspective on life that is more eternal and less based on just right here, just what we see. As Christians, what we bring to the table that that we have to keep hold of is that all this that we live in, that we see, that people we, we run around and we deal with, it's it's real. This earth is real. It's not like it doesn't have reality, but it isn't all there is. As Christians, we understand there are dimensions to life. There are There is a God who is outside of this world in which we live, and that his holiness, his purposes, his will, thrown 
shown through Jesus stepping into our world changes everything. And so I want to give us three ways that you can allow trials, whatever your trials look like, to do this. The first is trials give you an accurate picture of where you are now. Secondly, trials are going to separate for you what's lasting from what's not lasting, from what's temporal. And thirdly, trial is going to challenge us to look differently. We all tend to look in one direction from one perspective. And that looking up, down, right, left, forward, backward, trials will force you to look differently. All right? So we're going to look at those three things. First, trials give you accurate read on where you really are now. We need to be brutally honest in assessing who we really are. I don't know about you, but I am so capable of fooling myself to think I'm doing great and that all is well and that a trial, a, a, a challenge for you will strip away all that you think your faith is, all that you think the relationships are, all that you think. It'll, and, and we need to be grateful for that. You know, if you want, if you're driving your car, I can tell you one way to make sure that you're not bothered by that pesky um, oil light or check engine light. Just take a piece of masking tape and put it right over the check engine light and you won't be bothered by it a bit. It won't bother you at all. Right. Until the car blows up. And the problem is, is that so many of us live our lives and we ignore the reality of what's going on and how dysfunctional our relationship with God is or others is, and we just put that metaphorical piece of tape over it and we just ignore it. God loves you enough to bring trial in and, and, and ask you to use it to have an accurate assessment. 1 Corinthians 3.13, Paul says it like this, Every man's work shall be made manifest, that is evident. It'll be seen for what it is. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work to see what sort it is. So this week, um, we had a meeting. The uh, building executive team sat down with the elders to kind of bring them up to speed on what was happening. And if you heard last week, Roy, our building chair, kind of alluded to some challenges with initial cost projections being too low. Any of y'all ever done a building project? Any of y'all surprised that the initial costs from our experts came in lower and now they're saying "Eh, it's going to be a little more. We found some things. I know it shocks everyone that that happened. But again, don't be surprised, beloved. I was I was surprised. All right. I don't like change. I've confessed this many times. It's not my strength. I, I married someone who loves change, but I don't love it. And so for me. I heard this. They were very calm about it. They were very, you know, this is what happened. This is why, whatever. But you know what my reaction was? You know what that trial, as minor as that may be, y'all's trials, many of y'all are dealing with things far greater, and this would be, for you, a blip. But for me, the way I'm wired, it was a real trial because I could tell because it revealed who I really was. My first thing was I wanted to find someone to blame. Why why didn't they tell us in advance? Why did they not give us an accurate assessment? How could it be 20% of our body? You know, that was, I was, I was suspicious that they had our best interest at heart. You know, they were just stringing us along. It revealed my heart. It was beginning to strip away that, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing great in this because 
I was embarrassed because one of the solutions is, well, we got to borrow more money or raise more money or cut costs somewhere else and cut the building down. And so last thing in the world I want to do is stand in front of you. Many of y'all, most of y'all are giving very sacrificially to this and stand and say, well, guys, here are our options. It's not good. And it was, what are are you going to think of me? I'm not, I'm not that good a leader. I, I, I let this happen. You see what the trial was doing? It's beginning to strip away the sense of who I really am. What I think I really am, and it's revealing who I really, really am. This is the gift because you can live your whole life pretending to be something you're not. And we all know people or at least read about people and Maybe in the spiritual world, they seem to be spiritual giants, and all of a sudden they collapse in some sort of failure. And we go, what? And I would suggest to you that one of the reasons is that they didn't allow the difficulties and trials to make them make a ruthless self-assessment of how much they needed Jesus to be real in their heart. And I would just ask you to allow whatever difficulty is going on, don't waste it. Don't waste it. And, and, and again, I, I can't even begin to fathom what some of y'all have been through or are going through. And I don't even know. I'm sure 75% of the things here I'm, not, I'm totally unaware of, of the, the, the loss that comes in so many ways. But I tell you, don't waste it. Allow it. Allow it to say, God, I need you in this. I can't do this without you. Second thing we looked at is trials give us perspective on what can be shaken and what cannot. Hebrews twelve twenty six that Kevin read this morning just says it really well. When God's voice shook the earth, he's promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. So he's shaking the temporal things here, but also Everything, God being the author and outside, shakes everything. And he says this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. So just imagine, as your life gets shaken, you know what happens when um, you're trying to uh, take an item where there's something clinging to it. And you want to figure out, like, uh, I take my, when I've been out in the uh, uh, bushes doing my uh, weeding and other things, and I come in and I, I take my clothing that's now covered in burrs and in pollen and other things, and you know what I do? I just slap that thing silly against the wall and watch the things that have been accumulated just fly off, and what's left is the, the still dirty but washable uh, garment. And sometimes we can feel that way when life gets to us. And again, it is a gift because when what we when we look around us and we grab onto and we say, what I see and all this stuff that's here, this is all that is and this is real, and, and that's it. You will, we will discover one day that all we have left is what's eternal and unseen. One of my, and this is going to sound like a really funny life verse, but for many years I've, I memorized this uh, scripture in college. It's from Second Corinthians chapter 5, but 
I learned early on that God was the only thing that was going to last. And in that, um, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 4, and it says, We don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. I learned early on when I began to go bald at 23 that there was no point in hanging on to things that were wasting away. <laughs> our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light, momentary affliction. Now, I know it doesn't seem that way. I know in the middle of a, it doesn't seem light, momentary. Some of y'all face people, you all or others you love, long-term illnesses, death. It seems so permanent. But the Bible counsels in the long run that perspective, that seeing through, that momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen, which are passing away, but the things which are unseen, which are eternal. This is the gift that trials do for us. Finally, trials allow us to look in different directions. Uh, some of y'all who shop at Wegmans know I have a perch, but I see a lot more of you than y'all see of me. I tend to sit in the same chair. Uh, I overlook the, uh, the food section and I look out. And some of y'all I see shopping quite often. Some of y'all look actually look up and see me and will say, I wonder if he's up there. But most of the time, certainly 99% of the shoppers don't know or care, or it's sort of weird to look up and see the people looking down at you. But it's a perch advantage that's quite interesting because um, I sit over and I, I pray for people that I see, or I just watch life go by sometimes when I see that. But very few people look up. Nor, nor should they. There's no real reason to do that. But I found that in life, most people look one direction. That's just the truth. We play a game when I was uh, doing youth pastoring, did that for a bunch of years. And one of the favorite games of the youth is a game called Hidden in Plain Sight. And I would take regular items and I would just spread them in a house somewhere and just plain items. And uh, amazingly, it'd be my 20 items on a list and just find them. You don't have to, they're just right in front of you, in this room, there's 20 items, and invariably, it, you know, they'd get all the items that were on this level, but it took till the end of the game before anyone would look up or look in a different way. It, it's amazing. You just think, why wouldn't you? You know you're looking for something, but it's our inclination to look in the same direction. Here's what I think trials do for us. It tells us first to look up. It says it like this. Jesus said it like this during the last days, Luke 21, verse 28. He says, in the last days, there's going to be incredible trials. So here's my counsel to you. Look up and your redemption is drawing near. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And again, perspective for me, we all, many of us look at the stars or we, we, we look at, we, we get perspective from looking at nature. But metaphorically speaking, we need to be looking in different directions because we tend to look at each other for help. Husbands, wives, you tend to look at each other. And it's an appropriate place to look for help, but not ultimate help. We're, we're temporary help meets to each other. And it's appropriate for to look to friends and to look to your parents or whatever. But ultimately, that won't, they won't be enough. 
And you'll need to lift up your eyes to the hills from where your help really comes from. Because the strength you're ultimately going to need is not going to come from your boss or from the people who work for you or anyone else except the Lord God. You might also need to look down. Colossians 3.1 says, if you've been raised with Christ, that is, if you've died with him and been raised with him, that you're now seated with him. And it's a mystery. It's difficult. But in a sense, God gives us the grace to sometimes, like sitting up at Wegmans, to look down and see situations from a different perspective. My mom grew up in Newburyport, Massachusetts, in an old sea captain's house. It was four stories, very tall and narrow, with a widow's walk on top where the uh, women would walk out and see the, the ship harbor to see if their husband's ship was coming. It was built back in the probably 1700s. And uh, my mom, when she was uh, a teenager, remembers a time. It was during the Depression, actually. So I guess it was a little pre, pre-teenager. Yeah, 13, 14. And sometimes people who were hungry would, would just sort of come into the house and look for things to eat. And one time she was by herself. And from the fourth floor, she uh, saw a guy just looking around to scrounge in the house and she was by herself. And so she said, you know, I think I can from the fourth floor all the way through the stairs. She unscrewed all the light bulbs that were up on the fourth floor and she dropped them one by one from the fourth floor down and they exploded into the the foyer area. And the guy, she said, the guy just shot out of the house. He didn't know what it was. I was a gunshot, but it was from her perspective up high that she could see down and see the enemy, so to speak. I mean, I don't know if the guy was an enemy per se, but she saw and she was allowed to get a different perspective on the situation where if she'd been face-to-face on that same level, it probably wouldn't have been that same scenario. Sometimes we need to ask, God, would you help me to see what you see? Would you help me to see a picture from on high? Because I can't see it. So we sometimes look up. We sometimes look down. Sometimes we look back and we remember that God's been faithful. For those of us who've walked with any length of time with God and you haven't yet, or you you haven't given up on your faith and it hasn't, but it's something you've pursued, remember, I journal. And usually when I journal in, in a particular journal that I write in, if you looked at it, you would think my life was nothing but trial because I journal furiously when I'm going through a really hard time. And when I look back, I can't even remember some of the things that seemed so devastating to me three, four, five, six, eight, ten years ago because I was like, oh, yeah, God came through. He was faithful. We look back and we, we see that God's faithfulness was new. I won't read this passage, but I'm going to ask you if you want to follow up. Read Lamentations 3. I mean, yeah, Lamentations 3, verses 20 through 22 through 27, Jeremiah remembering the faithfulness of God to have him look back. Every time we take communion, we look back to remember the faithfulness of Jesus. And finally, we look forward. We look through the trial. And this again, I know it's sort of a mystery. I know it's hard, but here's what the scripture counsels us in Hebrews 12. Earlier in that same scripture that we read about the shaking Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
those who are outside, those who've died before us, who are urging you on, who are like fans in the stands urging you to run the race to the end well. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which closely clings to us and let us run with endurance. How's endurance produced? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James 1, 2. So we run the race with endurance that's set before us, and we look to Jesus. He's our model. He's our example. He lived well. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The trial of the cross for Jesus was unimaginably horrible. And yet he looked through the cross for the joy set before him on the other side, our redemption, his own glory, pleasing his father. He saw these things and he endured the cross. He despised the shame of it, but he's now seated at the right hand of the father. One day, the day will come when you will be able The cloud will be rolled back. It'll be parted. Everything that we only see by faith now, you will see by sight. And you'll be able to sit with the Lord and say it was all true. And that the little I gave up, what I sacrificed of what I thought was my identity, what I thought was my calling, what I thought was my pain or trial, was nothing compared to the joy that you've set before me. Don't give up. Let the testing shape you into Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Father, help us to be Christians who look at the Bible well, who look at your word and don't just read it and deconstruct it, but Lord, who read it and walk into it and walk into the story. That you who are the living word, Jesus, you became three-dimensionally the word of God in front of us. And what a life you lived of healing, of justice, of the way you treated people, of the way you spoke truth without reservation. Lord, let this be our chance to have a theology of suffering that allows us to walk into even difficult trials, knowing that it gets helps us to know you better. And that we know that joy follows suffering, life follows death, when we walk with the resurrection and the life. Lord, these are great mysteries, and for us who are on this earth, it's so hard for us to see. Lord, and I know I speak as one in the process of learning, but I ask you to grant us eyes to see what is true and lasting and not not sell the porridge, Lord, like in Jacob and Esau. Lord, Esau willing to give up his birthright for the immediate gratification of the porridge. But Lord, help us to see our identity as children of yours that it's enough for us to deny ourselves to suffer and to walk with you and to see the joy of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as we close in worship?